Our scripture this morning is from uh, the book of Acts. We'll begin reading in um, Acts chapter 1. Uh, Acts chapter 1. And as we prepare to hear uh, God's word, let's pray together. Lord enthroned, ruler of our lives, Lord of all creation, we thank you for your word that you speak to us, that speaks to us of grace, of truth, that moves us by your spirit to be your people. So now may the spirit that inspired these words inspire our hearts and lives for your sake. Amen. Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and women and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, and there he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. May another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, 
Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots. And the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. A complete game in baseball is when the pitcher who starts the game finishes the game, throws every pitch of the game. In today's game, throwing a complete game rarely happens. In 1904, there were 2,186 complete games thrown. Last year, there were 42 complete games. Last year, eight pitchers threw two complete games. In 1987, Roger Clemens threw 18 complete games. In 1968, Juan Marichal threw 30. And in 1904, Jack Chesborough threw 48 complete games. But the record for complete games thrown in a season is held by Will White. In 1879, Will White threw 75 complete games. An even more amazing feat is to throw consecutive complete games. That is, back-to-back complete games. Nobody does that today. But in 1980, Rick Langford threw 22 consecutive complete games for the Oakland A's. 22. But the highest number of consecutive complete games belongs to someone who threw in the so-called dead ball era. From 1901 to 1906, Jack Taylor threw 187 Consecutive complete games. Those were the days. The manager gave the ball to the pitcher and said, you start the game, you finish the game. Not today. Not today teams don't expect pitchers to finish game. Today we get quality starts. If a pitcher pitches six innings, gives up three earned runs or less, and then you bring in a whole series of relief pitchers. Can you imagine if the rest of life were like that? I mean, suppose a Sunday morning sermon's going badly, an elder stands up and says, you know, sorry, Ken, uh, you just don't have your best stuff today. We're going to bring in the relief pitcher to finish it off. Or imagine in your marriage, you're uh, having an argument, things aren't going well. Your wife says to you, sorry, dear, you just don't have it today. I'm bringing in the relief husband. Life's not like that. We want people to finish well. The book of Acts starts by telling us that Jesus appeared to his followers after his resurrection and taught them about the kingdom of God. Even then, the disciples wondered if he was going to finish what he started. Lord, are you this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus informs them he can't give them dates, but he does tell them the story of God's kingdom is going to continue. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus assures the disciples that God will work through them. That God will finish what God began. It's like what Paul says in Philippians 1. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. No matter what, God's a finisher. God who started a work will complete it. God will throw a complete game. He 
The first word's the most important. He, that is God. We might be a bit confused when we notice the common title for this second book written by Luke, The Acts of the Apostles. But the truth is, this book by Luke is really a sequel to his gospel. It would be better for us to title this book, The Acts of Jesus, Part 2. The book of Acts is all about Jesus. It's what Jesus is continuing to do and to teach. Jesus is mysteriously present throughout this story. Yes, it's a story of the early church, but what Luke really wants us to know is that this is a book about Jesus. The story of the church, from the Spirit's outpouring to Paul's ministry in Philippi, has God's fingerprints all over it. Paul was directed in a dream by the Spirit of Jesus to head to the area of Macedonia. And in that region, Paul came to the city of Philippi. There was a a Roman colony, a central trade center, rich with Greek culture. Very few Jews lived in Philippi. There wasn't even a synagogue where Paul could preach his usual practice. Instead, Paul went down to the river and preached there. And a woman named Lydia, a businesswoman, heard him. And Acts 16 says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The Lord opened her heart. First Lydia believed, and then a slave girl believed, and then a Roman jailer was converted. And soon Philippi had a church of Christ followers, all of them affected by the story of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus was work at his, with his spirit through Paul. And that's how the gospel went out. Philippi, to Europe, to America, to the world. He begins, Paul. Jesus did it. Jesus' spirit moved the apostles, Paul. Jesus convicted Lydia. Jesus convicts us. The story is all about Jesus. He. He who began. You see, nothing's finished yet. The work's not done. God is still pitching. To be the church is to be part of a work in progress. John Orberg says that means that you're going to have problems. That means you don't get to know the end of the story yet. That means your heart's going to get broken. It means your world is going to be shattered. That means you will get things wrong. That means you will have to be patient. That means you'll have to endure failure. That means you'll have to wait. God is not finished yet. Life's not done. You have not arrived. God's only begun. And I can assure you that God isn't rushing just because you hate waiting. We're not much different from the disciples. After Jesus taught them for 40 days about the kingdom, their question showed impatience. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? They've seen Jesus' transformed body. They know the resurrection was the beginning of God's new creation. They want Jesus to close things out. The the, the disciples are asking Jesus to bring down the curtain on the enterprise that he started. They want Jesus to finish the promise his resurrection points to. Bring his kingdom in all of its fullness of peace and wholeness to the world. They don't want to wait. But here's the thing. It's in the waiting that God does some of his best work. God begins something in us when we wait. The disciples know that Jesus' death and resurrection meant the decisive battle has been fought and won. But not completely. So Jesus invites his followers into a waiting which depends on his spirit. On God's 
timetable. Of course, their waiting didn't mean that they did nothing. They all joined together constantly in prayer, says Acts. And they used this time to choose another apostle, someone who had been with Jesus, someone to join them in the task. It's part of waiting. We may wonder, how long, O Lord? We may grow impatient to see the chaos ended. But Jesus continues to do a work in us as we wait. God's producing character in us. God's giving us hope. Isaiah 40 sums it up. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on with, with, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When we wait with patience, when we wait in hope, when we wait and not give up, when we wait and not sin, when we wait in faith, when we wait and serve others in kindness and with joy, then God's still pitching, still working in us. Nothing's finished yet. Jesus has only begun to work in and through us, so we wait on the Lord. Paul continues, He who began a good work. See, our our wait is possible because God's doing a good work. When we look at God's story throughout the Bible, we see a God who has the power to do good. God is in the transformation business. You remember the refrain of the creation story. God made light and sky and dry ground, made the land to produce vegetation, sun, moon, and stars inhabiting the sky, living creatures inhabiting sea and air and land. And God made humans the crown of his creation to rule and watch out and watch over everything God had made. And then Genesis 1 says, God saw all the he had made, and it was very good. But God didn't stop there. If you want to know anything about God, know that God has the power to transform anything to His good. God God not only had the power to change chaos to creation, God has enough power to bring a nation out of an infertile senior citizen. God has enough power to open the Red Sea to bring slaves to a promised land. God has enough power to defeat a giant at the hands of a boy who would be king. God has enough power to deliver Elijah from an evil Jezebel, to deliver Esther from a cunning Haman, to deliver Daniel from the lion's jaws, to deliver his people from exile. God has enough power to move a virgin to say yes to an unplanned pregnancy. And he came in the flesh so the world would see his grace and truth. God has enough power to turn water into wine, to calm stormy waters, enough power to make a leper clean, to make the blind see, to make the lame walk. God has enough power that when Jesus was arrested and beaten and killed, God rolled away the stone and raised Jesus from the grave. That same power falls on Jesus' followers in the form of the Holy Spirit. They're empowered to bring God's kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. That's why Paul continues, he who began a good work in you. See, God's work isn't just out there. God's good work is in you. God himself works in your life to complete the good work God began in you when you first believed in Jesus Christ. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
Life changes dramatically with the coming of Jesus. You no longer live for yourself. Your life has changed. You act differently. What was important in your life has changed. You no longer conform to all the trappings of the world. Rather, you are transformed by the renewal of your mind and your heart. Earl Palmer says, God's good work is not something hidden, something that we will see only in the distant future at the day of Jesus Christ. It is real and concrete here and now. You will be my witnesses. The resurrection and ascension mean Jesus is enthroned as Israel's Messiah, King of the whole world. At His name, every knee will bow. In Jesus' world, when someone was enthroned as kings, heralds would disperse throughout the land with an announcement. We have a king! We have a king! And that's what Jesus is telling His disciples to do. They ask about the kingdom. And they will come to see that by His death and resurrection, the kingdom has already come. That Jesus has been exalted as Israel's representative. But the fullness of the kingdom has not yet happened. And Jesus' followers await that time when the whole world will be visibly living under God's just and, rule, and healing rule. And they bring that good news. And the good news is God has begun a good work in you. God has forgiven you through Jesus Christ. God has erased your sin, your failure. God's redeeming your character. God fills you with His Spirit. And so you have gifts you're starting to use. You're beginning to put the fruit of love and joy and peace on display. God has begun a good work in you. And you will be His witnesses. You will be heralding the good news that Jesus is Lord to the ends of the earth. Empowered to announce to the world that Jesus is the rightful king. There's no Game of Thrones going on here where multiple kingdoms vie for the throne. No, there is already one who sits on the throne, the true king, Jesus Christ. By our lives, we bear witness to his power, to his rule. By the Spirit of Jesus at work in us, amazing things happen. Barriers are broken. Communities are formed. Opposites are reconciled. Unity is established. Disease is cured. Addiction is broken. Hope is established. Cities are renewed. And church happens. God's Spirit, that Spirit of Jesus, moves and shakes us. God's Spirit shows up and the unexpected happens. As someone once put it, discouraged folks cheer up, dishonest folks fess up, sour folks sweeten up, closed folks open up, gossipers shut up, conflicted folks make up, sleeping folks wake up, lukewarm folks fire up, dry bones shake up, and pew potatoes sit, stand up. But most of all, Jesus Christ, the Savior, Savior and Lord of the world is lifted up. God has begun a good work in you for the renewal of the whole earth. And so Paul continues, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. If you want to know anything about God, you've got to know that God is eminently faithful. 
Remember the hymn, There's no shadow of turning with thee, thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. Over and over again, when the Bible speaks to us about our God, we're reminded of God's faithfulness. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all He does. Unlike us, God's a finisher. Unlike us, God completes what God sets out to do. Stories told of a man who visits his boyhood home after being gone for 20 years. He's up in the attic rummaging around, finds an old coat of his, puts it on, reaches in the pocket, and he pulls out a stub. It's a claim stub from a pair of shoes he'd taken to get repaired 20 years ago. He'd forgotten all about it. Guy figures, why not? So on a whim, he goes to the old shoe repair shop. It's still in business. He hands the stub to the clerk. The clerk goes to the back room, comes back a few minutes later and says, they'll be ready next Tuesday. (laughs) That's our lives. We fail to complete things. But God is faithful. God will finish. And we can trust God to see it through. When Jesus ascended before his disciples' eyes, he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. And so they did. They went and waited because they had total confidence that God who is faithful would come through, that God who had raised Jesus from the dead would follow through on the promises Jesus had given. In fact, they were so certain God would come through, they chose another leader to help them navigate into the future. They chose Matthias, trusting God for a future that they would need another apostle. They saw God close the deal on Jesus' death by raising him to life. They knew that God is faithful to finish what he has begun. We live in that confidence that God is faithful to to, to, to complete the good work that he's begun in us. And so Paul concludes, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. On the day when Jesus returns, God will bring it all to completion. On that day, He will resurrect. He will redeem. He will heal. There'll be no more crying or sighing or dying. On that day, all the darkness will turn to light. The mess will be put to death and there will be only life. The good life that God began in us will be brought to completion. And until that day, And that's what the rest of Acts is all about. Until that day, we are God's main actors in this to-be-continued story. We act out God's story for the world to see. N.T. Wright points to the new reality we're a part of here and now. Because on the cross he had indeed dealt with the main forces of evil, decay, and death itself. The creative power of God, no longer thwarted as it had been by human rebellion, could at last burst forth and produce the beginning, the pilot project, of that joined-up heaven and earth reality which is God's plan for the whole world. Jesus overcomes all of our stubborn pride, our self-centeredness, our inadequacy, our failures, so that we can see on display in our lives His grace and glory. We 
are God's pilot project of what's to be on the day of Christ Jesus. God fills us with His Spirit so that others can see what God has begun to do for the whole world. There was a simple man who became a believer through the Salvation Army Gospel Center. And he was so grateful for his place in God's kingdom, so grateful for his salvation. He asked his wife if she would knit him a red sweater like the sweater worn by those who were uh, Salvation Army officers. So she did. Except their sweaters had, had writing on it and his didn't. So he asked his wife to embroider something on uh, his sweater. The thing is, uh, both of them were illiterate. So she just copied some words she found in a store window near the mission. And he wore the sweater with pride. When his wife asked how the people at church liked his sweater, he beamed, they loved my sweater. He said, some even said they'd like to have one just like it. But what neither of them realized was that the sign in the store window, the words that she copied onto her husband's sweater, said, this business is under new management. Jesus' resurrection brought about a world-shattering renewal. The day of Jesus has come and is coming. And until he returns, we proudly live as people under new management. The story God began in Jesus continues in us. Jesus has invested his spirit in us. Jesus has invested in us so much that we can't resign ourselves to doing nothing, no matter what the state of our lives. One day, on God's day, God will ring down the curtain on life as we know it. Until then, until that day, Christ empowers us by his spirit. We are a people under new management as we explore the book of Acts in the coming weeks, we will discover our faithful God and our great mission. We will discover that God's still in the game, that God's pitching the longest complete game ever. And until the game is over, we're called to be acting out God's story. Paul points out God's power at work in us. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen.